1: Welcome to the show. My name is Al Gordon. And as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Yeah, you caught me again saying the word we're because I have Mike on the show with me. What Mike was going to do is, well, he actually did this. He stood up in front of a massive room of a lot of people and he flat out told them how he turned $400,000 into $4 million. Now, he didn't have a printing press. He didn't do anything illegal. All he did was do what he was taught to do. Now, Mike is very good at that because Mike came from a background where he went to school and he studied really really hard. He studied a lot harder than I did, and I know this because he's a certified engineer. This guy's a mechanical engineer. Me, I went to an engineering class and I went, "Oh no, we're not doing this for the next 4 years." And and I pursued a business degree and wound up in the military. But Mike, he pursued that mechanical engineering degree because he was told at an early age that if he was going to be successful in life, that's the path he needed to follow. And engineering was going to get him to a place where he would make Crazy money, he would become wealthy almost overnight, and when it was all said and done, he would have this massive bag of cash waiting for him in a place that we call retirement. But Mike turned 40 and he realized that he wasn't quite getting to where he thought he was supposed to be. Now he put his nose back to the grindstone, he did, but then he realized something else it's not working. Yeah, Mike is a smart guy, and once he realized that his own financial livelihood was in peril, and I'm not talking about making money and living off of it, I'm talking about getting to that point in your life where you don't want to work anymore. You're you're tired of working for the man, you're tired of doing what other people tell you to do, you're tired of working weekends, you're tired of all that stuff, you just want to manage your own life. And Mike realized what he was doing wasn't cutting it, and he decided He was going to do something different. And in that same breath, he literally became a member of Lifestyles Unlimited. And what Mike did was he took $400,000 that he had saved over many years of work, many years of work that also allowed him to witness not one, but two market meltdowns. You know, kind of what's going on in the market right now. It's a market meltdown. He lived through that and he didn't want to go back to that again. So he chose real estate. He chose real estate as the path that he was going to follow to get him out of the craziness that he was doing. And I will tell you this, in a short amount of time, he completely revamped what he was doing for retirement. He took that $400,000, he invested it correctly, and now it's worth well over $4 million. As a matter of fact, that's what it was worth a couple months ago when I was hanging out with Mike at, at a meetup event that, Lifestyles Unlimited members go to in in the city of Austin. I'll tell you what, let's just bring Mike on now, because what we need to do is we need to get into his brain, because I want you to understand you can get the same result that Mike obtained. And the beautiful thing is Mike is available to help you. He He is a member of Lifestyles Unlimited, and he would love nothing more than to help you achieve the same result that he's achieved. So let's get him on the show. Mike, you guys had a meetup event up in Austin. I was
2: not able to go. How was the event? Hey, Al, hey, thanks for the, the great introduction, I'm, I'll try and I'll try and live up to half of that. Um, yeah, we had a meet, meet up here in Austin. Uh, I, I host one a couple times a month for the last eight years, and it's just you know, it's open to members and, and to bring your friends and family to learn more about us. And it's, it's, uh, we had probably 25 people there at uh, Rudy's Barbecue. And we kind of, we talked about, you know, where we are in the market, you know, with the interest rates rising, people are starting to get nervous. Like, well, you know, is it still a good time to get in? And we had some new people there too. So, you know, they're, they're curious, but they're, everybody's a little bit nervous. So we just kind of went through, you know, the, the benefits of of real estate investing and it's, it's still a great place to invest because people are nervous about everything else that they would normally invest in. So that was good. What were you like 40, 42, Mike, when you realized
1: that the wheels were coming off the bus?
2: Yeah, <clears throat> after surviving the market meltdown, like like you called it in 2000 and 2008, where I took my 401k and, and turned it into a 201k, you know, with losing half the value. It's just, it's depressing. So it, it takes years to recover. And both times it took about eight years to get back to that 400,000 that I had when I was in my mid-30s. I thought I was rocking and rolling in my mid-30s with, you know, the stock market was going crazy. And then. Didn't realize you could lose it so fast.
1: Twice. I, are you are you seeing the same type of event going on in the current marketplace? I mean, is it, are you having PTSD with regards to what the market's doing now?
2: Uh, not anymore, because I've got don't have much left in the market. So in fact, oh, that so, was all. I was entirely out of the market up until a couple of years ago. My father passed away, and we got inherited his IRA. So. We have a little bit of IRA money, no. So we so, don't. I don't have this PTSD now with the market meltdown because all my stuff's in real estate that you know we're surviving off of, that we're getting cash flow every month off of, and every quarter. has been a, and this year in particular has been amazing. You know, I've got a lot of my deals are selling, and it's it's incredible. So
1: you know, I'm not I'm not hearing any worry in your voice. You know, people listening to us, they they just heard you say, "I'm not diversified." because you have all of your money, essentially, in real estate. So so that made them nervous. The other thing they heard, which is very foreign to them, is that you receive cash distributions quarterly. Now, they don't, they don't get that with their 401k or their IRAs or that sort of stuff. So that's foreign to them, too. And, oh, wait a minute. This is the one that's really going to make them fall off their chair. You ready for it, Michael? Sure. You're selling all this stuff. So if you're selling all this stuff, you're going to get hammered on taxes. You're going to get hammered on taxes. That's why you shouldn't be in real estate. This is what they're thinking. Go ahead, Michael. Tell them why they have it wrong.
2: So we've been investing, investing in real estate. Those investments create losses. They're called depreciation losses. And in 2018, with that Tax Cut Jobs Act, it vastly accelerated the amount of depreciation you can take. And they did that to stimulate the investment in the economy, and got the economy rocking and rolling. So for example, you can invest you know, 100,000 into a real estate apartment complex and, and get an $80,000 depreciation loss that same year. And that $80,000 now is used against any capital gain. So any other property that sells, and where you have a profit, you can offset it with that big depreciation loss. So this- it, This sounds
1: like it's illegal.
2: Right. No, it's the way Congress set it up and they they did it to spur investment in our economy. And so, you know, it makes sense. So we just take advantage of it as real estate investors and we're we're investing in our properties. So we buy these properties and they're run down. There's a lot of money that we pour into them to fix them up, make them look nice inside and out to make them great places to live. We add dog parks and covered parking and all kinds of stuff. So these run-down properties now become very pretty and very profitable.
1: And I think the neatest yeah, thing far- about these these properties is is their physical mm-hmm. location because we're going after product that was built many, many years ago, yet the location hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. The location is still an excellent location. It's just that the physical asset at that location, it, well, it needs a lot of work. I mean, would you see it the same way?
2: Yeah, I would, I would think so. And uh, let's see, getting back taxes. Um, So for this past several years, we haven't paid income tax on the real estate as well as depreciation that carries forward year after year so you can keep using it. And as long as you keep investing in new properties, you'll continue to get depreciation and you won't ever have to pay tax. Now, that's a little bit misleading because we do pay property tax. You know, that's our biggest expense on any of these properties is our property tax bill i think a lot of people that live in texas you know understand that especially this past year when we all got our new valuations so we yeah, are that contributing was, back to our local communities
1: yeah that was definitely an eye opener huh it was definitely an eye opener yeah. but it so it, at the end of the day what we're doing is we're still contributing to the tax base we're just doing it a com- in a completely different way and what we're right. doing is we're protecting our income and by protecting our income, that protects us from fluctuations in the economy, does it not? Right. So you're not you're not worried about all this inflation stuff. Michael, you you just got this smooth and easy voice. I mean, there's there's nothing that's gonna phase you. You're you're still like easy going with this real estate.
2: Yeah. I mean so I suppose the one thing that would slow us down is a recession, right? And that'll create opportunities for us as well.
1: When you were in the stock market, what was what was considered a good return? I mean, for a good year for you when you were doing all that stuff, what eight percent, ten percent? What was a what was a crazy good year for you?
2: Uh, boy, there, I guess I wasn't looking at it as far as returns and dividends. I'm just, I was just crossing fingers that the value of it would go up, so that by the time I retired, I had this big pile of cash I could slowly eat away at over the years. So I know that you know, from doing research that the typical market return in any 20-year period is about 7%. And so that's kind of what I, I base everything off of. So if I can beat 7% on my real estate investments, then I've done better than I would have in the market. And all of my properties that have sold, I'm think I've. So I'm in 70 different deals right now. And 15 of them have sold, and of those 15, my worst one was 7% return.
1: Okay, there you have it, everybody. The worst real estate investment that Michael made still did as well as he did in the silly stock market for years. We cut back from the break. I'm going to ask him where he's investing his money. We got to know this.
0: Got questions? Call Lifestyles Unlimited at 855 497 4335. The Real Estate Investor Radio Show continues next. There is a dream killer here somewhere today. You're gonna run into somebody that's gonna tell you this stuff doesn't work. Like Vinette said, it's a scam. This is probably a multi-level marketing program. Somebody is gonna tell you it doesn't work because you're the wrong race, the wrong age, the wrong sex, the wrong sexual preference, the something or other that this is all set up so rich people can be successful and all you poor people can't. And if you believe that, they've won. But if you don't, you win.
1: Don't believe the dream killers? Start winning today with the Lifestyles Unlimited free workshop. Get the knowledge you need to replace your income in two to five years, and then find out how to take action. Register for the free online workshop at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com.
0: Listening to Lifestyles Unlimited real estate investor radio show will change
1: your life. Now, here's your host. Welcome back to the show. So let let me just lay out the picture for you. Michael and I are having a conversation about real estate, and primarily this conversation is directed based on what Michael has accomplished as a real estate investor. Just a recap for you, when he was in his early 40s, he realized that what he was doing for retirement was not going to get him to where he intended to go. Yeah, and he had, he had lived through the market meltdown of 2000, and then again in 2008, and he was getting done with it. Because what he was watching was all of this wealth that He thought he was building just a road right before his eyes. Kind of of what you're probably feeling in the current situation in the markets. Now, Michael did something about it. He did. He listened to what we had to say at Lifestyles Unlimited. He was a little skeptical, just like all of us are coming into this. But he came in with an open mind. And he learned from us how to invest correctly in real estate. And you know what we did? Oh, we just turned him loose. We totally turned him loose. And he took four hundred thousand dollars that he managed to to amass a couple of times, and he redeployed that money into real estate. He has built up a portfolio of assets that are. What where were you at now, Michael? Seventy? Are you in seventy deals now?
2: Yeah, we participated in seventy
1: deals. Okay, one just closed yesterday. You you didn't you didn't get it into all seventy at once. This was a systematic approach, no. right?
2: Right. Yep. Okay, so... Yeah, that first year was like three deals, and then one deal the next year, and two deals. And then they started selling, and then all of a sudden I can get into eight deals, and then 10 deals. and
1: <clears throat> It's like a snowball rolling. So so you would deploy your money into these apartment communities. Mm-hmm. You, you would give the money to a lead investor who's also a Lifestyles Unlimited member that you felt right. knew what they were doing, that they had a investment objective that mirrored what you were trying to accomplish. So you would partner together, you'd invest, they would do all the work, you would get the returns, you would liquidate the asset, you would get a whole bunch more money, and then you basically turn one into two. Is that kind of the recipe you're following?
2: Yeah, that's kind of the recipe. Once those deals either cash out, refinance in a couple of years or sell in you know three to five years, Take that and reinvest it. you, as a friend of mine said, you want to don't eat your seed corn once you've got that money in and working for you, you want to keep reinvesting it.
1: Oh uh, yes, the wisdom of John Pride, do not eat yes. your seed corn because that exactly. will cause you huge problems. So yep. when you started investing did did your strategy change over the time from when you started? I mean, have you been following the exact same strategy this whole time? Or have you modified the strategy based on other factors?
2: Yeah, things, things change. I mean, we started you know in Central Texas. think Lifestyles was pretty new back then. So there weren't a lot of syndicators, a lot of leads that were in Central. So we did a few deals in Austin area. But then once I finally found some guys down in Houston, i uh, invested more money down in the Houston area, and then the realization of the hurricane, you know, possibilities. So that led me to go up to the Dallas area, and now I'm out in Phoenix and kind of spreading the wealth around to different locations just to add a little diversity to it. So I don't all have everything in one one little pot. You know, because you've got an economic downturn in San Antonio, you don't want everything, all of your investments in one city.
1: So we just resolved the whole diversification concern. <laughs> because you are diversified, you are, you're extremely diversified. It's just that you're diversified within an asset class. You're not diversified right. across a bunch of different assets. Correct.
2: Yep. yep. And also different uh, syndicators. So some syndicators I'm real happy with and I'll do multiple deals with them. I think I've done 10 deals with one guy. Wow. Um, but also am happy to try out brand new leads, you know, and see what they can do and give them a little bit of money and, and get in on the ground floor with them. So as they grow and progress, I can grow with them.
1: Now you got this whole cash flow thing mm-hmm. that you talked about earlier in the show. You, you actually have people that send you money quarterly. I mean, how, how can they afford to do that?
2: So the property, that's actually a good question. So I was talking to one of my exchange students that was visiting from Italy about how all this stuff works. And, the syndicator, the lead, manages the property. They collect the rent every month. And they manage their expenses so the expenses don't get too high. And at the end of the month, they're in, they end up with a small profit. And then at the end of three months, they take that small profit and they split it out to all the investors, right? Because I'm not the only investor in these things. There's 30, 50, sometimes 100 people that chip in a little bit of money to purchase these things. And so they all get a piece of that profit at the end of the quarter based on how much you know what percentage ownership they have. So it's pretty simple. It's just like a business.
1: Yeah, and the in the lead investor sends you once once you've done the the legal thing and you've made contact with them in accordance with the law, they they will send you the investment opportunity for you mm-hmm. to review and you simply look at it, review it and determine whether it fits your portfolio or not, right? Right.
2: Yeah, and there's questions I ask, you know, make sure that the syndicator knows what he's doing. I've got a whole list of, you know, things that I'll go over in my head at least. And, and if I don't know the lead personally, I will definitely reach out and have a conversation with them for you know 20 minutes just to get a feel for who, who they are um, before I'll send them any kind of check. You wanna make sure that they're following their mentor because you know, lifestyle provides mentorship. And if I'm talking to the person and they're not even sure who their mentor is, then I don't want to invest. So make sure I've got a, they've got a connection with their mentor and with their operations consultant that Lifestyles also provides. It's gonna help them run that property for the entire time that they own it. What kind of
1: assets are you looking for now? Are you looking for properties that are gonna produce Outstanding cash flow, or are you looking for properties that are gonna double your money? Are you somewhere in between? Where are you at?
2: I'll look at any deal. And if it's in a, a growing city, then and it may not have much cash flow, that's okay. But I, I want a mix. I don't want everything that's just in it for equity gain and, and no cash flow because I gotta live. Right. So you need you need your base of of cash flow. So once you have that, now you kind of, you're able to broaden your horizon and say, okay, well, maybe I want to pick something that's a little more risky in a smaller town that's outside a major city and with a brand new lead, but you got to get your base set first. You know, I I wouldn't be, I wouldn't recommend being risky for these high equity gain properties up front. Now I'm investing, you know, 80 and a hundred thousand dollars in a single deal. And that, it's just it was a foreign concept that took a while to sink in and be comfortable with.
1: I mean, you're you're buying shares of apartment communities for more money yeah. than many people make in a year. Yeah, and and did that was it. Does, it did you.
2: bridge, to, yeah, difficult bridge to cross those first couple of years because you don't know these guys very well, right? These leads that you meet at the networking events. You know, back then I made it a point to make sure I got to know them pretty well. So I would, you know, we had, had a boat club down in Austin and uh, we would invite these leads out on the boat for a Saturday with their wives and their wife, my wife and their wife. And the four of us, we'd go spend the afternoon together and I'd get to know them, you know, before I felt comfortable writing a big check to them. So we did that with several. And of course, nowadays, everybody's too busy to do that kind of thing. But, you know, for sure, I've got to meet them at a networking event. Meet them at the expo. That's where most where most of them will show up and you can have conversations with them. So I think that's critical is to make sure you, uh, that you have a good feeling about who this lead is before you're investing.
1: So you, you've coordinated relationships with, with a lot of Lifestyles Unlimited leads and, and there are leads that you will invest with and there are leads that you won't invest with and you pretty much articulated the why as to why you won't invest with certain people. We get that. So when it comes to the ones you want to invest with, what type of assets do you want them to acquire? What, what are you looking for in the form of the actual horse itself?
2: Um, I'm steering away from things that are built in the 60s now. I actually owned one. I was a lead for a few years, bought a late 60s property. It comes with a lot of unique problems that older properties come with they are hard to determine when you're purchasing it, you know, cast iron pipes and all that stuff behind the walls and under the ground. So I'm looking for the horse now, the apartments that are like built in the eighties, the nineties, early two thousands, I think kind of in that range. And what else in the, you know, in, the, in a good location. So what County are we in? You know, property taxes are a big, big expense. So there are some counties that are, Aggressive on raising your property taxes every year, and some counties that don't, right? The smaller counties are not that aggressive, and so you can not have that huge property tax bump when you purchase a property.
1: What are you looking for when it comes to rates of return?
2: Uh, I'm looking for like about a 20% annualized return, and that's cash flow plus equity gain, and that's fairly easy to hit. Uh, and that's something I want to talk about too. Is you know, these early deals that I did, um, we had average annual returns of 75%, 80%, 100% on my deals two, three, and four. My very first deal down in San Antonio, 360 unit property, we still own it, right? It's, and it's been going up 100% a year. So from that original investment, it goes up that amount every year we hold it.
1: Is is that the uh, property Jerry bought? Yeah, yeah,
2: that that thing is just
1: amazing. I, Do you guys so think you'll ever I, sell that?
2: Uh, I am sure we will in a couple of years. Uh, we had one building burned down.
1: Well, I remember touring that that uh, property. what well, was before COVID, and that thing still is, was it's, it's what eight units that are down, right?
2: Yeah, something like that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Now, how how are you guys protecting yourselves? I mean, that's eight units that are not producing any income how, how is that affecting your bottom line
2: so we're still making like 13 14 percent cash on cash return on that we've gotten uh what 200 percent of our money back already on this deal and the equity in it is incredible it's gone we, we bought this thing for eight million dollars it's worth roughly 55 million now our all-in you know the cash out of pocket that we spent to buy it, it was about 3.7 million every year we hold it it's going up in value another 4 million. million. So wow. the longer we hold it and so and so Dell would say you know well what's your you know every year you're supposed to recalculate what your return is cuz we're making you know 12 13% on our original investment but if you look at the equity that's in it it's just massive. So your actual return might be in the 2 to 3% on that huge equity. So we call that dead equity, right? So you want to get that out somehow. You have two choices, right? You can sell it and realize that capital gain, which could cause you to pay taxes. Um, so depending on how, many, how much depreciation you've got from other deals, or you can tend, and then the possibility of 1031-ing to move that, kick that tax can down the road becomes you know, in play. The other option is to pull that out with a cash-out refinance, to say, hey, maybe let's take a lot of that money off the table and we'll be able to reinvest it now.
1: Now, are you going to have to pay taxes on that money if uh, you do a cash-out refinance?
2: No, that is a, you're basically taking out a loan, and they don't tax you on proceeds from a loan. So, I could for that eighty thousand I put in, I could get a check for four or five hundred thousand dollars, you know, as, as a refinance. So i got we've got that much equity and more sitting in this property, so it might be half a million dollars. so I'm going to get tax-free and use that to reinvest in five more properties.
1: Did, did you ever in your wildest dreams think that when you wrote that check for $80,000, that he would be producing such significant returns for you and your family?
2: No, it was, it was just crazy. You know, and back then my son was going to college and this thing was producing, that $80,000 investment produced 18,000 a year cash flow. That You know, he's going to A&M, and that's, you know, ballpark what we were spending to send him to A&M. So instead of having a college fund, you know, like everybody does when their kids are born, you start saving up money, and then you're going to spend it all and give it all to the university. In this case, we invested it. The cash flow paid for the college. And then when he was done with his degree, I still have this investment that's still been growing. That's a whole different mindset, a whole different way of looking at things. Let your assets pay for your liabilities.
1: I know, isn't it cool? I mean, would would you ever go back to doing life the way you and I did it as kids? Well, the kid stuff was fun, but as far as the going to school and working for other people, would you go back and do that again, knowing what you know now?
2: Uh, there were some good times. You know, had a lot of met a lot of good friends, and in, in the different jobs I had working on space station. I mean, we built some cool stuff. I'm not going to deny that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have given that up, but I would have invested differently so that I wouldn't have been stressed. You know, when you're back then working on the space station, every year, Congress would vote to cancel my job, right? Because do we want to spend money on space or not? And so all of us would sit around watching CNN back then saying, oh, we're going to have a job tomorrow (laughs) or not. So that's just extra stress. And if you've got extra cash flow coming in, you know, as you get older, you don't have to stress out so much about getting laid off at work. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm here because I choose to be here behind a desk, not because I have to be here to feed my family. It's just a much better place to be in. So you can enjoy your, your job if you want to continue to work, or enjoy life if you don't.
1: Well, there you have it. The mind of a multimillionaire shared exclusively for your benefit. Now, if you want to figure out how to do this the way we do it, go to lifestylesunlimited.com, sign up for a workshop, and let's get you going.